1: It's Wednesday preview time. We got Carabao Cup, La Liga, Serie A, and League A. We have Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson betting analysis and so much more. Stay right here. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golazo. We have a great show today with my man Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, buddy?
2: Nothing much. Just chilling. Excited for the big holiday games.
1: Absolutely. So much to look forward to. And I'm so happy. Jimmy and I are so happy. Finally, it's been a while. We, we gave him a little break, but he doesn't take breaks because you can see him all over CBS Sports website. Jonathan Johnson with his amazing holiday Christmas sweater. How are you, JJ? Hey there, guys.
3: Feeling Definitely feeling in the Christmas spirit now. Almost there. Last round of matches to come tomorrow. So very excited. Finally looking forward to a, a, a little bit of time off and a few drinks with a bit of football. <laughs>
1: emphasis on the few drinks but absolutely uh let's begin everybody with uh some caribou cup action for wednesday uh as we take this we're previewing the stuff for wednesday's action caribou cup and let's begin with a stoke city facing tottenham um i was reading something jimmy that uh, joseph marina is not too happy with the stoke city dressing rooms because apparently stoke city playing middlesbrough this past weekend Neil Warnock, Middlesbrough manager, was saying how it was just a pigsty. It was disgusting. And Jose Mourinho is not too happy about it. So, uh, you know, that would be an interesting narrative as uh, the championship side host on what you make of it.
2: I mean he's got to go play at Stoke in the middle of the week and you can see if his team's really what they're made of, right? They always say, can you do it on a, on a Tuesday night in the rain against Stoke? And now here's his opportunity instead of the rain, it's just a really pigsty of a locker room. I do want to say though, that I think most people consider this, we don't really care about a cup unless we win it. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Tottenham in particular, try to try to, how much energy they're going to give to this. Cause I say this because obviously they're on the back end of a a horrible week where they started Tuesday and first and ended on Saturday or Sunday and fifth and things aren't going well some of the guys that they've counted on to step up have not done so Stoke on the flip side have won six out of the last seven and and have clean sheets in, in six of those seven as well so they're really feeling it on fire right now and uh, I'll be interested to see. I don't think this is going to be a walkthrough by any stretch of the imagination. So here are the, here are the basic lines for you. Stoke to win straight up plus 490. I think that's tremendous value just for the stats I just gave you. Tottenham, or to, to, to draw after 90 minutes. So it's just after 90 minutes, the draw is plus 340, and Tottenham's the heavy favorite, I think, at minus 190. For me, I, I'd like Stoke to actually do something here. I don't know what lineup that uh, Jose is going to go with, so it's hard to give you, like, those individual Harry Kane score anytime type stuff. I don't know if he's going to be run out or not. So that would be interesting. I think Gareth Bale will get the start, but which version of Gareth Bale are we going to see? Probably the one that we've been seeing, which is not very good. So I like Stoke to do the business. They have a ton of injuries. They're missing uh, John Obi McKell, if you guys remember him, uh, Joe Allen, the Welsh Javi. You know, they're missing a couple of guys that I think can win games for you, but that shouldn't take anything away from the current run that they're on. So if you're looking for some, just of a bit of a flyer here, when you got your Christmas sweater on, you're sipping some eggnog. You could do worse than than maybe maybe even just a draw, plus 340 on Stoke Tottenham. And then maybe who knows what happens in extra time or if it goes to penalties. But I could see that happening. Stoke's been very difficult to break down right now.
1: Yeah, especially at home. JJ, uh, you know, Carabao Cup or not, Tottenham just want to win, right? Just get that momentum going.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel I've been aggressively targeted by a lot of what Jimmy was saying just there with the Christmas jumper and uh, the eggnog and everything. <laughs> uh, I, you know, yeah. Uh, Carabao Cup is always uh, one of those. Well, apart from you know the fact that we have to spend our. Most of our time at the beginning of the competition debating where the the, the company that's sponsoring the cup comes from, what product <laughs> they might be trying to sell. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those competitions where there's always a lot of debate. Like uh, like we said earlier, it's one of those competitions that nobody seems to really care about or take seriously until they win it. But I'm one of those believers where every club should take seriously uh, potential pieces of silverware, particularly at the beginning. Uh, you know, and obviously being a Villa fan, I was, I was kind of hoping that we would go on a deep run uh, in it once again, uh, unfortunately fell to the hands of Stoke. Uh, so I'm yeah I am like Jimmy. I'm curious to see exactly how strong the the, the lineup is that, that's put out by Jose Mourinho. Uh, but it, it is true that the bigger sides tend to put out stronger and stronger teams the deeper in the competition they go. So I would expect you know to see a fairly strong lineup uh, from Jose, particularly as. Uh, Luis Miguel mentioned you know Spurs are just looking for a bit of consistency at the moment their form's been a little up and down uh, you know they had looked uh you like, like they turned a bit of a corner a couple of weeks ago uh, and then they've had a few disappointing results where it seems to have dropped off a little bit so this is the perfect opportunity for them to go up against a team who are definitely going to test them because as Jimmy said Stoke you know really feeling the confidence at the moment given the run of form that they're on uh, you know but also you know, a club who, who have dropped down out of the Premier League in the last couple of seasons. So there's not the same level of, of, of quality that the Spurs would get against a Premier League side. Uh, but I think that that makes it actually, you know, an ideal opportunity to bring back some of those guys who are suffering a bit for form-wise, confidence-wise, uh, you know, and, and finally give them that boost ahead of the, the frantic festive period of fixtures.
1: Yeah. I mean, whenever we talk about Premier League teams and the Carabao Cup and we'll uh, ease into Everton, Manchester United, Jimmy, it's always the fact that, you know, Carabao Cup or not after this enters Boxing Day period. And then you have a Wednesday game. Then you have a weekend game. It's a lot, a lot. But and to the other side, Everton host manchester united both uh on a pretty good run right now i mean sneakily we were talking about the fact that manu now in the top four uh everton doing well as well uh so far how do you see this one uh, jimmy conrad
2: yeah this is a great game just because both teams are playing pretty well coming into this one everton coming off a great week right they beat arsenal leicester and chelsea in the same week they got to be feeling sky high and they did it without Hamas who has been playing well, but is he the best fit for that starting 11? I'm not so sure. And they've been doing it without their regular outside back. Seamus Coleman now coming back into the team at the outside back, but Lucas Dinier has not. And so they've been em- employing center backs to play out wide, which is not a great recipe for success. But they've been getting the job done. They've been very stout defensively. And that's been good to see. And they've been getting, uh, you know, the opportunities they need to score. So. Straight up, plus 235 for Everton to win at home at Goodison Park, plus 260 for the draw after 90 minutes, so it can still go to extra time and penalties. And then Man United to win is plus 111. A lot, a lot of value there, I think, because both of these teams are straight up. Last time these two teams did play against each other about five weeks ago, it was 3 1 to United. Bruno Fernandes had a, two goals and an assist. Cavani scored very late in that one. So if you want Fernandes to score anytime, that's plus 125. If you just want him to get an assist anytime, that's plus 150. And I really like this one, plus 100 over one shot on target. So he needs two shots to get plus 100. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like that a lot. The over-under is two and a half. If you want the over, it's minus 138. If you want the under, plus 100. I think both teams are going to score. So I kind of like, if, if you have, want both teams to score, Everton to win and both teams to score is plus 400. The draw is plus 320. And then both teams score and United win plus 280. So there's good value there. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I would like to hear from JJ and you, Luis, just... I could really go one way or the other. I mean obviously United are coming off a of- Tremendous 6-2 win against Leeds, but we've seen this this Leeds team capitulate before. They give up a couple goals, and that turns one turns into seven, you know. And and so it's hard sometimes to judge when you're playing against Leeds because you just don't know which version you're going to see. Sometimes they'll beat Aston Villa 3-0, and sometimes they'll lose to United 6-2. I brought that up for you guys, right? Just to <laughs> slap you around a little bit. But but so I don't I don't know. But with Hamas not playing in this one, Seamus Coleman coming back into the team, Everton really feeling like they got their identity. Maybe they've got it figured out. They beat three tremendous teams. Tremendous is pretty strong for Arsenal, but Leicester and Chelsea are tremendous teams and, and they got to be flying sky high right now. And so United, though, are up and down. One week, we're like, oh, my God, Ole Gunnar is the guy. And then the next game, like, no, he's, what is he doing? He shouldn't even be manager of that club. And I just don't know which version we're going to see of this. Kind of similar to Tottenham, frankly. Yeah.
1: JJ, I'll just throw it straight to you. How do you see this one?
2: Yeah, uh,
3: I'm, I'm like Jimmy. It's, you know, very Jekyll and Hyde with, with Manchester United. I mean, look at what we've seen from them in the Champions League. You know, they're capable of picking up great results like the 1-0 away at PSG, absolutely thrashing Leipzig at home. You know, and then they go to Basak here and lose, lose away at Leipzig and end up dropping into the Europa League. You know, it really is uh, very, very difficult to to predict which side you're going to get. So I completely sympathize with with Jimmy there. The, The other thing I would say about this particular matchup is that Everton... You know, under Carlo Ancelotti, Ancelotti teams never really capitulate and just take an absolute thrashing. You know, they normally keep it very tight. You know, you always know that you're in a game against them. They're always very well organised, no matter uh, you know who's in the lineup. And I think now that now that Ancelotti has found his feet uh, at Goodison Park with the with with the club and with the with these this group of players. You know, I think that they're going to get progressively more and more difficult to to beat. I mean, Jimmy was mentioning there the debate about whether Hammers Rodriguez is actually a bit a good fit for the starting eleven of, of Everton or not when he's fully fit. Uh, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, how Ancelotti sees that. Uh, you know, it's a possibility that he he brings him in here. Uh, and you know, it's uh, it, it's it's one of those where I I I think that Everton. You know our, our contenders for, for for winning the winning the competition uh, you know Ancelotti is is somebody who you know has accumulated a lot of silverware over the years he knows what he's doing uh, in these in these cup competitions and for a club like Everton uh, you know to, to to bring home a piece of silverware uh, for the first time in a couple of years you know that would be a big big boost and a a big statement of intent for this this Ancelotti project that has already Put quite a lot of money into into building the squad that that he would like to have, uh, you know. And I think if he can get a, a title to to sort of back up further claims at the end of this season, you know, I think we'll we'll see Everton build from there. So for me, I really expect Everton to give United a, a tough test here, and it wouldn't surprise me if they actually squeeze past uh, United and, and continue on in this competition.
1: Yeah, well, I go. Uh, with your original philosophy about the fact that you think that every club should really treat every tournament, every cup competition with respect. I think Carlo Ancelotti is that manager. He just he sees every tournament, with, a, especially, you know, a league where he's just recently entered uh, with tremendous importance and value. Of course, being Premier League teams, you have to take into consideration the rotation of the squad. We know that Aaron Wamba Saka won't be featuring in this one. Neither will Scott Juan Román, Riquelme, Zinedine Sedan, McTominay. He won't be in this one as well. So it should be an interesting game. All right, everybody, when we come back, we will return with the rest of what's going on in Europe because there's still some uh, great games to look ahead in some major, major leagues. Stay right here.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over
4: 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool, it's your online business partner. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, We're talking Wednesday matches in Europe. Let's begin uh, in Serie A, Jimmy Conrad. AC Milan. Facing Lazio, uh, major league implications, of course, AC Milan, top of the table, looking to stay there and continue uh, their momentum. How do you see this
2: one? That's a great game. First and foremost, uh, Milan coming off a big win against the Swallow uh, over the weekend. Rabich didn't play. Zlatan still going to be nursing an injury till I think maybe mid-January, end of January. And they have this kid named Rafael Leao who scored a goal six seconds into the game. I don't even know how that's possible. I feel like the fix is in. We're seeing some more fixed fix. fix ma- I just don't understand how you give up a goal in six seconds off the kickoff, by the way. It's a different conversation. I'm still hot about it from a defensive perspective. But what a play by Rafael Leao and what a player he is. 21-year-old uh, is, he's destined for, I think, a very, very big future. So he's going to be leading the lines, I think. Uh, and I think that's been a good sign for them. Uh, they, they welcome back uh, Simon Cher or Simon Cher back defensively for AC Milan. He helps stabilize things next to Romanoli. I like that a lot against Lazio. They're going to need that type of experience because Chiro, the hero, Mobley has scored 10 goals in his last 10 games for Lazio. And the one game that he didn't score, they lost. So obviously he's going to be tough to, to mark. He's so good in and around the box. He takes their penalties as well. Milan, not afraid to give away penalties this season. So the, the, the line straight up plus 124 for Milan to win. Uh, plus 260 for the draw, plus 205 for Lazio to win. It is in Milan. They've won 25, no, excuse me. They're unbeaten in their last 25 Serie A matches. Uh, and so I'm leaning towards them in a lot of different ways. Lazio took down Napoli last week, which was pretty impressive, two to zero. But you have to take into fact that Insigne didn't play. Mertens didn't play. Uh, Victor Osimhen didn't play. So all their top, there's kind of a depleted Napoli squad. So I'm not too surprised with that result. Belazio, very similar to Manchester United in some ways. Very good one week where they'll take down a Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. And then the next week, they're like, they lost to Crotone? Like, what? Who's Crotone? You know, most people don't know who they are. I mean, they're pretty solid in Serie A, but still, like, they're losing to people that they shouldn't lose to. This game, I think they'll get up for it. I feel like they play to the level of their competition a little bit. But I like Rafael Leao to score again. I think he's a confidence, you know, most young players have a lot of confidence players. Uh, score anytime is plus 170. However, you can't sleep on Shiro the hero. Him to score anytime plus 100 is very, very good value given the fact that he does like to hit the back of the net a lot. I like Leal to score. Both teams to score. Milan to win plus 550 is pretty decent value. However, I like the Immobile to score, but Milan still to win And both teams to score. That's plus 600. So those are the ones I'm looking at at the moment. If you guys want to consider it. Uh, those are the things that you should maybe take pay attention to.
1: Now, these are good uh, numbers. And uh, JJ, if Lazio win, they, they can climb up uh, pretty high up the table, closer to the top four spot right there, but uh, should be a pretty difficult one, especially when they're away at AC Milan. How do you see this one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's intriguing. Uh, as, as Jimmy was mentioning, uh, you know, a battle between, you know, two quite hot uh, attackers at the moment. Uh, and... It's, it's a match with, you know, potential implications then. I mean, you look at the way that the, the Serie A title race has been going recently. Uh, I mean, I'm stunned that Juventus, you know, weren't, weren't able to capitalise more uh, on Milan drawing two matches in a row uh, you know, just in the, in the last midweek. Uh, and I think I can't see Milan being that generous uh, now that European competition has, has gone away for a few months. Uh, you know, I can see them you know, keeping up this form and, and maintaining that gap at the, the top and potentially trying to open up a bigger gap uh, when possible. But I think this is probably one of the biggest threats to them uh, in, in that run of matches, particularly in the build-up to their clash with Juventus. Uh, you know, the it's just a couple of points in it at the moment. Uh, and for me, I think that, you know, when you come up against a team with uh, a goal-scoring talent like Chiro, the hero, Immobile, it's, uh, you know, you're always going to have to be very wary uh, and for me, I can potentially see Milan slipping up here because even a draw gives, uh, you know, the likes of Juventus uh, the opportunity to close the gap further, uh, you know, and with that Juve clash on the horizon, uh, you know, the, the pressure will start, uh, you know, building on, uh, on, on Milan, especially after that pair of uh, back-to-back draws recently.
1: Well, a draw for Milan and a win for Inter Milan would be enough for Inter to go top. Uh, They do face Verona as well. And Verona, you know, uh, ninth, but also the second best defensive record in Serie A. So, you know, they could be a tricky opponent for Antonio Conte because God do we know that Antonio Conte can sometimes struggle against, uh, you know, tough, resilient teams. All right, let's move to La Liga, Jimmy, where Real Madrid, uh, there's a Madrid battle right now for the top of uh, the table. They face Granada. uh, And as obviously we tape, Atletico Madrid is facing as well. So if they slip up, it could be a great opportunity for Real Madrid to do something here. How do you see that one?
2: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I think Real Madrid are in, are in fine form, but to speak about Real Sociedad Atletico, that is a terrific match and, and I'll be looking forward to to watching that one. Uh, Atleti uh, are coming in on fine form and, and La Real are struggling. They've only they've lost back to back games for the first time all season. So it'll be interesting to see who shows up. Mikhail or Yorsoval probably won't play for La Real. He's their kind of talisman and things go through him. He's probably going to be out. I think I will win that game, which means Real Madrid needs to step up and get after it against Granada. Now, Granada have won three straight games. They, have, um, they haven't given up a goal in their last four. But let's keep in mind their opponents. It was Pauk in the Europa League, Elche, San Juan in the Copa del Rey, and then Real Betis. And Betis, probably the most formidable of those four. But let's take a look at Madrid. They're coming in on winning their last five in all competitions. I got my notes here. But, and in those five, they've conceded just two goals. And their opponents have been just a little bit better than uh, Granada's. Uh, Sevilla. Borussia Mönchengladbach, Atletico Madrid, Athletic Bilbao, and Abar. And so, and they're they're not just winning, they're doing it with real class. I feel like we're finally seeing this Madrid team really, they've always had their identity. It's just a matter of getting everybody healthy, getting everybody sharp. Kareem Benzema has been on something fierce. His his form is terrific. He might not score all the goals that he should, but he scores enough of them and he's been fantastic in this this stretch. Uh, If you want Real Madrid to win straight up, it's minus 300, so you gotta bet 300 to win 100. Yeah, that's not so great. Plus 450 um, for, for the draw, which I don't see happening, plus 800. Yes, I know Granada's won three straight. I know they have four clean sheets. Real Madrid are a different beast completely. I like Benzema to score both teams to score and Madrid to win plus 290. I think Granada will find the back of the net. I do think that Madrid do give up enough opportunities that Roberto Soldado might find another one. He had a brace on the weekend. So he's a confidence guy as well. I know Tottenham fans probably don't care for Roberto Soldado, but still, he's got some quality there. And uh, if you don't want to get that specific without a goal scorer, I would say Madrid to win both teams to score plus 165.
1: Well, to Jimmy's point, JJ, obviously we have to watch out as we tape of what happens between uh, Real Sociedad and Atleti. And if there's a draw there, uh, a great opportunity for Real Madrid to take over against uh, Granada. How do you see that one?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's feeling uh, very inevitable. Whenever you see Real Madrid starting a season slowly, you can almost be guaranteed that they're not going to be going as slowly come the end of the come the end of that season you know there's been a, I've, I've noticed a lot of people sort of referring to the the difficult champions league group that they just went through as you know the wake up call they needed to finally you know get back to being you know uh, as as jimmy said you know the more convincing uh, Real Madrid that we're seeing in recent weeks. The one thing that I would say about La Liga, when you look at the top of the table, is is very deceptive because a lot of people overlook the, the two games in hand that Atletico Madrid have, you know, and that puts them in such a big position of power, uh, you know, when you bear in mind that, you know, the gaps that they can open up over, over some of these sides, you know, they could still go six points clear. Uh, of Real, I mean, you look at the the difference in points uh, between them and Barca. There's, there's, uh, they've only got one game in hand uh, over Barca, but they're still already eight points clear of them. You know, that would take them 11 points clear once all the matches have played if Atletico have won. So it's, you know, it's a really, really good position for Atleti to be in uh, right now. And I, I think it's for for them if they, uh, you know, if they manage to avoid uh, defeat where uh, where Real Sociedad, I think that that is a that that's a, a positive result, and it. At the moment, it doesn't really for me. It doesn't really change anything for Real Madrid. They just have to keep winning uh, as many matches as they can uh, when those games come up because they need to try and keep the pressure on Atletico Madrid in a, a an unfamiliar scenario of having somebody quite close in terms of points when you're looking at the table, but also quite far away when you bear in mind that there's two matches extra to play for Atleti. Yep,
1: yeah, very good point. The same thing with Sevilla as well. They also have two games in hand. I mean, they're way down, but they still could come up. And a really good point on the fact that Atleti has those two precious games. And by the way, in La Liga, they have a, a mini break. I mean, they used to be longer, but you know, they're coming back for new year's uh, not new year's Eve. Sorry. The, uh, from the uh, Wednesday, twelve thirties, from the 30th of December. So they, they only have a tiny break, so they'll still keep going. They're not like the premier league, of course, but you know, granted it's still not that huge of a break. All right, let's finish off where JJ is in lovely France. PSG. Against Strasbourg, another game um, in League R. Uh, PSG uh, coming off uh, a stalemate uh, against Lyon, I believe. How do you see this one, JJ?
3: Yeah, so PSG coming into this one off the back of that goalless draw uh, against Lyon. Le- I, the thing I would say about that match is, I mean, OK, um, it's not the it's not the sexiest result on the face of it, but it was probably the most coherent performance that we've seen from PSG and Young for quite a while now. Uh, you know they were coming up against a very good Lille side. I mean, okay, there was a uh, the, the bizarre set of circumstances coming into the in, into the game where Lille changed hands on the the Friday night, and the game was played on the Sunday. Uh, you know, I, I think it took everyone by surprise to learn exactly how bad the financial situation was at Lille. Uh, but you know, they they didn't seem that phased by it on the pitch. They still put in a a. a solid enough performance and PSG were one fantastic piece of defensive play from Presnel Kimpembe away from potentially losing that match. I mean, heroic uh, from him. He's now going to be out until January uh, with with an injury that he picked up in that action. So, uh, you know, PSG Looking down the barrel at um, a, quite a tricky match uh, against uh, Strasbourg side that is very physical. Uh, and, you know, you just look at the the list of absentees that PSG have uh, in front of them coming into this game. I and mean, I'll read it out to you. There'll be a decision made uh, after after training uh, today. So the day that we're taping on the Tuesday uh, on Kylian Mbappe's fitness. But then you've got the likes of Kimpembe, Levin Kozawa, Alessandro Florenzi, Leandro Paredes, Danilo Pereira. Neymar, Pablo Sarabia, Mauro Icardi, Abdou Diallo and Juan Bernat all out. So, you know, that is a lot of absentees, uh, especially when PSG cannot afford uh, a fifth Lyon uh, loss of the season you look at the, the top of the table it's quite tight at the moment Lyon definitely the form side uh, you know there's just a point between the top three Marseille doing their best to throw away the the sort of game in hand situation that they have that's quite similar to Atleti in La Liga so it's it's finely poised um, you know on paper you would fancy PSG to, to to win against Strasbourg quite comfortably and sort of go into Christmas without many more worries than they already have but when you consider all of those absentees uh, you know it's, it's it's quite you know it's it's a concerning situation to, to to be in uh and i actually had a question that i wanted to, to to put to jimmy as a former as a former player there's been a lot of talk recently about killing mbappe um and him not being able to play to his full potential because of a lot of muscular problems i mean he's for you as an ex-player, how how do you view the the scheduling situation at the moment with a lot of top European clubs? You know, you've got teams playing pretty much every two or three days, whether they're in the league, uh, or in the Champions League, or in a domestic cup. Uh, you know, it, it is you've got a lot of coaches claiming that it's suicidal there this scheduling. Thomas Tuchel has been very vocal in his criticism of it, and you've got players at the moment like Kylian Mbappe unable to play in some of these biggest fixtures, just because they're Completely gassed.
2: Yeah, I'll just say right away, it's it's pretty incredible. And and throughout my career, when we had you know Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday games, and you had to do it in back to back weeks, by the end of that, you are exhausted, not just physically, but mentally. Like, oh man, I gotta I gotta get up and play for this again. And if you're somebody like Kylian Mbappe, and you have that type of status, and you have that type of responsibility as the best player, not only do you have to get up and perform you have to perform at some superhuman level and the expectations to you to carry the team if it's not going well or to score in the champions league or all these and he's not just playing you know some middle of the road team week in and week out or every every game it's like going against some of the best clubs in europe as well that's all packed in there so yeah it is a bit insane i'm surprised that uh, uefa or fifa didn't say hey we have to go five subs until at least the end of this season just to be smart and thoughtful about all the the piling on because it just seems yeah sure on paper yeah they'll be fine they'll be fine they have a couple days in between but it's but when you live it uh, I can understand and when you see somebody like killing Mbappe who we all think is essentially superhuman because he's he seems elastic right he's he's a a tremendous athlete he's so good at the game he can protect himself with the ball you know he's so good with the ball he'll never he doesn't worry about getting kicked or anything like that but But it just it adds up, right? You add that layer of one game he gets a knock, then he's playing at maybe ninety-five percent. Then he gets maybe another knock. He's at ninety percent, you know. And then after two months of that, which what you're seeing, he's down to like seventy-five percent. And it's just unfair to these guys, which is why I think you guys should bet the draw. (laughs) (laughs) Strasbourg, it's plus four forty. Strasbourg have scored more than two goals uh, in, or two at least two or more. Excuse me, in five of their last six away matches. That's just something for you guys. But. With regard to a player, yeah, you look around and you see all these other guys hurt and you that just puts more pressure on Mbappe to like, okay, now I have to step up and be the guy again. I really think PSG, just using them as an example, are really looking forward to this little mini break that they're going to get and probably just wish this game wasn't going to happen, just want to get through this 90 minutes as fast as possible, not have any other injuries and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, this is it's pretty insane, JJ. I, I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. Uh, I know that I understand we're in unique circumstances, but they should have at least put some things in place to help alleviate uh, some of the issues that some of these top clubs are running into who do have to sacrifice because they are playing more games than some of the smaller clubs
1: yeah a good answer there jimmy conrad first of all uh, jj i'm very hurt you didn't ask me my uh, sunday league childhood <laughs> peruvian crumpets are, are going to be very disappointed not to hear about my own experiences uh let's wait, stay, wait, wait. Well, let's Luis, stay. I, have,
2: I have a question yeah. now i'm taking i'm going to take this one
1: take over sir
2: i want you just as for this one jj i, I there's a big transfer window coming and i just feel like france in particular is such a hotbed for talent You know, are we going to see any moves? It could be PSG related. It could be, you know, what are we going to see? Is there any, what do you got for us? We we want the secret sauce and we know that you have it.
3: (laughs) <laughs> well, it's interesting it's uh, you you're, you're asking me the question at a good moment because i've actually just written an article uh based on what to expect from the January transfer window uh, in liga because we're coming into it at a very interesting time because you've got the collapse of the media pro tv rights deal which has impacted clubs in a huge way financially uh you know you've also got the the impact of brexit because there's a lot of uh, clubs who you know budget each season based on selling Uh, a lot of their talent to English clubs, that's no longer going to be possible, Uh, you know, so you've got French clubs scrabbling around, uh, you know, not only because of these two reasons, but also because of the obvious impact of COVID as well, and, and no fans being able to go into the stadium. So match day revenue taking an absolutely gigantic hit, you know, you've got French clubs suddenly being like, well, we, we're in good positions here, but we really can't afford to not sell. I mean, like I said earlier about the, the Lille situation, people were shocked to know that Lille were that close, uh, you know, to, to, to being bankrupt. Uh, you know, when you consider all the talent they've got, you know, this is, a, this is a team that went to AC Milan and won in the Europa League a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, they're top of Ligue 1, keeping PSG off of off the top of the pile. Uh, you know, and it, it's looking very, very positive there when you look at all the talent that they're able to put out on the pitch. But all of the, the those problems mixed together, uh, you know, has basically brought the flaws of, the, of, the, of those projects to the surface. And that means that there's going to be pretty much no club in France that, that can look at potential offers that come in and say, you know what, we don't, we don't have to sell anyone pretty much everybody you know who's not a key figure at these clubs uh is going to be potentially fair game so there's a lot of very good talent uh you know potentially on the market you've got the likes of Memphis Depay at Lyon uh you've got Julian Drexler at PSG uh you got Renato Sanchez at Lille uh you know and then you Dip down into some of the other teams. You've got the likes of Morgan Sanson, uh, Kevin Strootman at uh, at Marseille, uh, you know. And then there's smaller teams who are also doing very well uh, and could potentially see some of their top talents plucked away. Uh, you've got the likes of uh, Lasagne, Perrot, and uh, Cardona at Brest, who are all doing very well. I and mean, I'm sure everyone remembers Cardona's uh, early season contender for the Pushkas Goal of the Year award with that flying uh, scorpion uh, scissor volley. Combination. Uh, you know, and there, so there, there is a lot of talent uh, in France that could potentially be on the move. And you look at uh, clubs as well, like Saint Etienne, who are trying to get rid of, uh, you know, big earners, uh, guys with experience, uh, you know, who might be picked up by another European club. We saw mvila joining Olympiakos last summer. You've got the likes of Ruffier, Casri, uh you know, who are potentially on the market. And then you've got some of the smaller teams as well, uh, like Dijon at the bottom of the table, who probably need to sell somebody like Munir Shria, who's a very very talented player has been linked with Villa in the past among other teams uh, but he's not able to do anything for the club at the moment in the situation they're in so they're going to be hey, Gigi, I
2: want to cut in because we heard all this hype and you've said a bunch of names and all these guys are supremely talented I'm really excited to see their futures and where they stay and if they stay but Eduard Camavinga is somebody that people were talking about a lot with Ren. And then he went into the Europa League and we thought, oh, this is it. Camavinga is going to go against, you know, some, or Champions League, excuse me, with, with uh, Chelsea and Sevilla. You know, he's going to show against some of the biggest clubs in the world. And he didn't do much. And I know that he was hurt a little bit. And maybe he showed it in little pockets of space that he has some talent can hang with those guys. And I'm, I'm positive that he did. But he didn't really like, have a come out party. You know, like, I'm, I'm here. I've arrived. Who's going to buy me? Where am I going next? And I'm surprised you haven't said his name yet. Yeah,
3: I mean, the thing with Kamavinga is I think Ren are in a much more solid position than, than, a, than a club like Lille. So there's not going to be as much pressure on them to sell uh, this, this this coming window. And if they did feel the need uh, to get rid of somebody, I think Kamavinga is one of the players that they would really, uh, you know, try hard to, to not get involved in any sort of transfer talk. Uh, they might try to move on somebody like Mba who who already tried to force a move in the last transfer window. So... Kamavinga for me is one of those guys who, you know, we're definitely going to have to wait until the summer to see if somebody comes in for him because that sort of size movement, it's a bit similar to the Paul Pogba situation at Manchester United where Raiola has already come out and said, uh, you know, it's a move that's almost too big to happen in January really with uh, the, the money that Camavinga is now worth. I can't see any club until uh, COVID goes away and match day revenue comes back, being able to put the sort of money that Ren would, would need to come to the negotiating table uh, in front of them. Uh, so it's it's, it's it's definitely one of those transfers that is on the radar. It's just, I don't see it potentially being able to What's happen. What's his
2: value, by the way? I don't know if anybody has context. I don't even know exactly what what uh, he's being valued at. Is it close to 100 million, hundred million? Because he's well, the, what, the, the, 17, uh, 18 years of- old?
3: The value before he even became a senior France international was around 80 million euros. So Oof. you can assume I, that he's the, good. The way the way the way that he started his uh, his career with France, you know, remember that bicycle kick goal against Ukraine in the friendly as well. You can safely assume that that's probably added the best part of 20 million to that asking price. So <laughs> when they are going to be looking for. The, the best part of 100 million euros. Wow. And there's no club, there's no club in Europe at this moment in time, uh, you know, who's able to put up that sort of money. And Rennes know this. Uh, and that's why Ren are hopeful. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make any bold claim here, but they're sure. hopeful that they might be able to get him to extend his contract to keep him there, uh, you know, to continue his development for a little bit longer. They, they know that he will move on at some point. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those transfers that feels inevitable, a bit like killing Mbappe to Real Madrid. It's just for obvious reasons at this moment in time it's not the the right moment for for it to happen. It's just not possible.
1: Yeah, let's remember also that the value of a player is all determined on the worth of how much he is to the existing club, right? Kamavinga, of course, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jack Grealish, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, All right, let's say goodbye to both Jimmy and JJ. But before we say goodbye, one quick thought about these games, the holiday season, anything that you're thankful for, that you're looking forward to, Jimmy, let's begin with you.
2: Well, I'm thankful that there's going to be games being played while I'm sitting on my couch being, you know, fat and eating 5,000 calories. Like, I love that. But to JJ's point before and the question that he asked is this a smart move for all these games to happen at this time? These players definitely need a rest, especially the ones in the premier league in particular, who aren't going to get any rest. Most of the other leagues do take a little bit of a break. So yeah, as a neutral without taking any of that emotional stuff and like these people actually being human beings, trying to put themselves out there, I'm loving all these games, but uh, the flip side of me understands and having lived through it myself, that this is a battle of attrition for a lot of these players. So I wish them the best of luck. I hope nobody gets hurt.
1: And how about you JJ? Um, Grateful for three
3: points against West Bromwich Albion the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I think we will leave it at that. Thank you so much, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review. It really helps us to grow the show. If you're listening to this on cbssports.com, you can listen to us on all those platforms and so much more. And by the way, we have tremendous holiday content coming up. So make sure that you're subscribed. Have a great day and a great holiday season.